church confesses what this fifth commandment means, requires of us on page 555 in the book of Praise and Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and we'll read that together. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, many of you enjoy working on puzzles. One of our senior members recently completed a very large and tricky puzzle of a picture of the Grand Canyon. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the children here this afternoon also did some puzzles this very week. Well, the goal of a puzzle is to join a box that's full of interlocking pieces that have been cut into unique shapes and then separated from each other. And there's actually only one way to join the pieces because the order and the pattern is determined by the picture that was chosen by the puzzle maker. Every piece is unique. And every piece has its own place in the puzzle where it needs to be in order to complete the challenge. Now if you show someone a puzzle piece, just a little piece on its, on its own, it doesn't appear to be much of anything. But if you display big puzzle, all done except for one missing piece, well then you see how important that one piece is. Well the analogy of a puzzle, it helps us to understand the fifth commandment in which God calls all people to be clear on their own position and their own task as it re relates to the positions and the tasks of others around them. And the key word in the fifth commandment, the, the heart is the word honor or respect. When the Lord commands all Christians to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we read that in Ephesians 5, verse 21, that shows us that the word submit is a word that can be applied to everyone as they're called to place themselves in the determined order, the order that the Lord established. So if we were to compare ourselves to pieces in a puzzle, then we see that in a context where everybody depends on one another, there will also be different roles that are given to every person. And the fifth commandment tells us to honor the order that God has established. When it says, honor your father and your mother, and then we confess that applies to all those in authority over us. The big picture plan that God established before the foundation of the world has some people in positions of authority and others in positions of submission. These positions of authority need to be honored by those who are in authority just as much as those who are under authority. Those in authority 
have a responsibility to give direction to the people that God has placed under them. And those under authority have the responsibility to work in subjection to their good instruction. And Peter is very clear on what that looks like in all the different relationships in our lives. And the gospel message is that our only Lord and Master in heaven has made us free so that we can all faithfully serve in the big picture. So I preach to you under this theme, servants of God are free so that they can honor divinely appointed authority. And then for the points, use the first sentence of a piece of literature written by Martin Luther on freedom of the Christian. It was written in 1520. And he stated these two statements one after the other. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And we see that here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. These instructions that we read, they've been called a household code. It shows us how the Holy Spirit leads us in our redeemed life. And in this household code that we read today, there's a, a striking combination of the command to be subject to different people in authority and the command to live as people who are free. Well, maybe when you hear it, it sounds like a contradiction. It's hard for us to imagine needing to follow people who are leading us and being free to do what we want at the same time. Often, we associate freedom with independence. And as a result, we also often separate freedom from serving. And I say often because when serving means doing something that we enjoy doing, then we don't feel like we are being enslaved to the requests of others. So when a teenager says she can't come because she has to stay home to take care of her siblings, she feels like she's not very free. But if she says she can't come because she has to stay at home to eat a Christmas dinner with her family, well, she still feels very free. Both examples include obligations to others, but when the obligation was something that the person wanted to do, then they don't consider it a hindrance to their freedom. And as a result, your definition of freedom depends on what you want. And you are the servant of whoever makes you want a certain thing. Find out who makes you want one thing or another. And don't forget to take a close look at the, the whole marketing segment of our society. Find out who makes you want one thing or another, and you know your master. So what makes you want to do some things and not to do other things? Well, we all have unique personalities and talents that make us want different things. Some people like, like suffering and, and others are afraid of, of any type of suffering. 
So our own experiences can affect how we define freedom. We also have a sinful nature. Peter talks about that right before the the passage we read. And that sinful nature makes us eager to do things that may not even be very helpful for ourselves or for others. And ironically, both these driving forces that determine what we think freedom looks like, they turn out to be the slave drivers in life. Our sinful nature does not love others. And under our, its spell, our hearts will define freedom as being independent from all obligations and even may convince us that it is noble and right to hate submission and resist any responsibility that he might give to a leader in our life. The sinful nature makes us either want to cut other people out of our lives so that we can follow our own sinful desires, or it makes us very competitive in an endless pursuit to take the position that God has given to others. To use the analogy, many pieces of the puzzle hate the order that God has established. And so they claim that it handcuffs their freedom, and all the while they're really submitting to the slavery to their own sinful nature in pursuit of something that they think is better for themselves. But what such people, and that's often ourselves as well, what we don't realize is that no one is actually to be completely independent of all influences and control. And so Paul says it very clearly in Romans 6, And he goes into that in verses 15 to 23. He says, you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. No one is completely and absolutely independent. So which of these two masters mentioned in Romans 6 will make it possible for you to do what you want? Well, it's the master who actually created you. It's the one who who, who was able to make it possible for you to do what you were made to do. And that is freedom. Being able to do what you were made to do. That's why our, our text connects living as people who are free with being servants of God. You can see that in verse 16. The phrase living as servants of God, that defines what it means to live as people who are free. So freedom is more than just an idea. Freedom is not a a right that gives you permission to do whatever you want, even if it's evil. Rather, freedom means to talk and live and walk and feel and think exactly as God made you to do these things for the glory of God to his plan. Freedom is being able to do all that you can with your body, your heart, and the hands that God gave you. It's knowing the truth. It's doing what is right. Being a piece in a puzzle in the right place. Freedom means being righteous in God's eyes. Living according to the law of God 
in all love. Our Lord Jesus was free because he obeyed the law of God perfectly. He was free because he was a servant of God and he wanted the same things that his creator wanted. And it's exactly when we are servants of God that we are the most free because God is a master who restores his servants to the freedom of creation, the love that is revealed in the law. And in order that our obedience might be done sincerely, the Lord first frees our consciences from the binding of the law. In Galatians 4 and 5, Paul speaks a lot about freedom, and he enters this topic quite extensively. He teaches God's people that our salvation is not dependent on our ability to do the works of the law. We're set free from that obligation. Our salvation depends on the promise of God and his grace. So in Galatians 4, verses 23 and 31, he says that we're children of the free woman, of the Jerusalem that is above, that is free, children of the promise. And so we see as we enter into what it means to obey the fifth commandment, that even sinners who break the fifth commandment, who then confess their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, will share in Christ's righteousness and so be given their place in his picture. In the same way that every piece in a puzzle looks different, so also our bad choices, our scars, our years lost in sin, these things will not prevent us from being instruments in God's hands to serve in the big picture. Not even the law can bind us to death when we are truly free in Jesus Christ. There's nothing more that we need to do to be saved. We have been set free from all obligation to man, having the law fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. We have been restored to being ruling kings and queens with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And that's why we say we are free lords of all and subjects to none. That's what Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 1. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. And so as a result, the submission of believers that the Holy Spirit speaks about in 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3, that's not a, a servile subjection that is offered out of weakness. Christians don't obey just because they don't have any other choice. You do have other choices. However, because God so graciously worked in our hearts first, Christians take their place in the order that God ordained voluntarily and from a position and understanding of our complete freedom to glorify God in, with all our being. Since we are servants of God who restores us to freedom, we will also faithfully and joyfully keep in step with God the Holy Spirit 
who makes us want to work in harmony and in cooperation with others. Paul says this in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 15. And I'll read these verses. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so we see, although our sinful nature makes us want to use our freedom as a cover-up for evil, because we, we constantly must struggle against our own arrogance and our own selfishness and our own impatience with those who do not know the truth of God's word the Holy Spirit within us. He calls us to humbly know and freely accept our place in the big picture plan, the sovereign creator, dutiful servants of all. And we see that so clearly in our Lord Jesus Christ. When God the Son came to earth, he came to serve. He came to serve God which meant that he would also seek to serve his neighbor. You could say the, the freest person of all chose to empty himself in order to serve his neighbor according to the law of God. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5, talking about the incarnation, says that when the, time, the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to Redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Living in complete freedom, Christ entrusted himself. We read that in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. Christ entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He suffered for God's children. The Lord who was completely free became a servant of others. And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, we read, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And so when Christ brings us into his work, we see that we have been set free from all law so that the only one we need to bow before is the creator who made us to live in harmony with one another for the glory of his name. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And again in Romans 13, verse 8, he writes, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And when the Holy Spirit then leads us in our freedom in Christ as servants of God with our, with our heads lifted high, as we even sing together the, the words of 1 Timothy 1 verse 17 that were displayed on the wall as, as you were coming in, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. 
we know that we glorify that king by voluntarily and joyfully choosing to honor and respect all those around us, whether they are given positions of authority over us through the different human institutions that were ordained by God, or whether we are called to guide them in the truth. That's what the fifth commandment is speaking of. It's revealing that God created us to honor one another. Peter addresses the whole church when he says, honor everyone. Again, we see that key word, honor. And it applies whether we are, as Christians, can obey other people or not. Whether we can obey or not, it doesn't matter, but we must honor everyone. And the Spirit makes us want to live in the freedom that we have as servants of God so that you recognize every person's God-given positions, even though you know that no human being has ultimate authority to determine your salvation. And that if you are in authority, you are, are merely an instrument in God's hand to relay his will to the world. And that's the context of our confession. That's the, the big picture. Servants of God, as servants of God, we want to use our freedom to show all honor, love, and faithfulness to those in authority over us, to submit to their good instruction and discipline because we want to glorify God and to embrace our Father's plan by having patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. And then Peter continues in verse 17 to urge the church he says, honor everyone. And then he says, love the brotherhood. The brotherhood, that those are the heirs together of the grace of life that he speaks of in chapter 3, verse 7. Speaking of the body of Christ with all its working parts. To love the brotherhood. It's closely connected to the, the fifth commandment. And he goes to explain that. Husbands and wives, parents and children, those holding special offices, and those holding the general office of all believers. And he places this all under the statement to fear God. Obey God rather than people, and you will love one another in the brotherhood. And then he goes on to talk about honoring the emperor. He's summarizing what he said in verses 13 to 14. And now the rubber hits the road. For if the early date for this letter is correct, then that emperor was probably Nero, one of the most cruel anti-Christian emperors in the history of the world. Peter is telling people who owe no one anything People who are free, freed in Christ to glorify God with their lives, he's telling them to honor a wicked tyrant. God wants us to be humble, even though we are free. Even if the, the puzzle is filled with burning cities and the blood of the saints, 
free servants of God will still recognize their place in this plan out of reverence for Christ. When Christ was reviled, we read, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, the God who made him. And then if we look closely at Peter's application of the fifth commandment, he actually takes us even further. He takes us further than just quietly and passively enduring the attacks and the suffering that comes at the hands of the unjust. For it is our place as God's free children in the world to contribute to the society that God has placed us in to contribute so that the government has an opportunity to praise those who do good. In verses 14 to 15, this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Foolish people who revile Christians, they do this out of ignorance about the transforming work of the the Holy Spirit in, in the lives of Christians. But then we see our freedom from the reactive life of slaves who actually are still bound by the ideas of the wicked being freed from this slavery. We're able to do good even when we're being mistreated. Doing good in society, what does that mean for you? It means caring for the poor. It means investing in the economy. It means supporting the government projects that that serve the community. You see, if we're only known for criticizing and complaining, but not for loving and caring, don't we still, are we not showing that we are still slaves who are subject to the power of the government rather than freed servants of God? can use an example if we only protest against abortion but have nothing in place to care for the families who have no way of giving good care to their newborns. Are we letting the world know that we are serving the greater God who is loving and caring? Are we only fitting into the, the picture that the government has given to us or our society has placed us in. Being free, we're being lifted up above all the human institutions to serve the one true God who is loving and caring. And so our prayers that our good works display that we are servants of the one true God alone. And we're free. The world is a puzzle created by God. Every person is a piece in that puzzle. Christians are like pieces of a puzzle that are in the hand of God himself. And God frees us from all those things that stain and destroy us, granting us his spirit so that we, we want what he wants. He gives us the freedom to use our unique gifts to contribute in the big picture. 
We can see his hand behind all the pieces around us. We could see that we are worshiping a, a sovereign God and then so eager to serve the God who holds us in his hand, we're also eager to cooperate with other pieces. And it often happens that another hand may offer to take us and put us in a different place. We know that will only result in pain and suffering. God is the only good Lord, and he commands us to honor our father and mother, and all those in authority over us, so that it may go well with us in the land that he gives to us. And brothers and sisters, we are freed by the grace of God to honor divinely appointed authority. And let us now, as faithful servants of God, love our neighbor without constraint, but willingly, for freedom Christ has set us free. Amen. We'll now sing in response, standing, if you're able to stand, Psalm 123. Stanzas 1 and 2 speaks of Christians looking up to God as servant or slave might look to the hand of their, to the face of their master as we also ask the Lord to show his mercy uh, to us even when we face suffering for being servants of the Lord. So we'll sing together Psalm 123, stanzas 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. 